This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, let's get to know Michigan State as Sparty is coming to State Farm Center on Tuesday for a tip-off against Illinois. What version of Illinois, we do not know. Whether Kofi Coburn will be available after he's been in concussion protocol. Andre Corbello still dealing with the flu, Brad Underwood said on Monday. And Trent Frazier took a nasty fall in practice before the Purdue game, but he played two games last week. So, uh, But this has been a season of interruptions for Illinois, and we feel like we haven't seen this full team yet, uh, and we haven't seen this full team play well together yet, but it's because we really haven't seen the full team together all that much. But Illinois was rolling them back-to-back losses last week to Purdue. Nothing to be ashamed about there, especially with Kofi only playing 20 minutes due to foul trouble, uh, but one of the best games of the year in college basketball. So I don't think there's anything to hang your hat or hang your head about uh, given one of the best teams in the country. And I, I think... And, and Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal told me this later. He thinks they're the best team in the Big Ten. I would agree with that. I think most people, if you had to pick a team to go the furthest in the tournament, you'd have most confidence in Purdue because offensively they just have so many answers, right? My question about them is defense. Will defense hold them back from winning that Elite Eight game or, or winning that Sweet 16 game against a tough 4 or 5 seed? I think that's that's like the, the one big question for me, and I don't even know if Purdue will be a 4 or 5 seed. Maybe it's the 3 seed they're playing because they're a 2. But you get my point, right? Uh, but Illinois, I think, has a really high ceiling. It, it's just been frustrating because we haven't seen it because they haven't played together. We haven't seen Andre Corbello and Kofi Coburn barely play together this year. And we'll see if we can get that tomorrow night. But I talk with Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal, one of my favorite guys to talk to in the Big Ten. I have a lot of respect for him as a columnist. Uh, I think he does his work really, really well and kind of came up in the business a little bit with Graham. We were both in the MAC back in the day, him covering Bill Cuban at Western Michigan and, and myself covering Jerry Kill for a year, uh, covering them at DeKalb. So uh, we'll talk with Graham about Michigan State that leads the Big Ten coming into this game. And if Illinois beats Michigan State, Despite everything going on, despite losses last week that knocked them down seven spots in the AP Top 25, down to number 24, if Illinois beats Michigan State, they're atop the Big Ten again, right? So these are huge games, and if you have Kofi, you certainly feel a lot better about it. But before we get to Graham, I wanted to talk about Illinois football recruiting. And there's some roster turnover that's happening with Illinois football Right now, Jakari Norwood enters the transfer portal. Carlos Sandy enters the transfer portal. Donnie Navarro enters the transfer portal. Heck, there's been seven wide receivers that have entered the transfer portal for Illinois so far this year. But outside of Deuce Span, I'm not sure if Illinois is really all that worried about it, right? Because this has been a, a poor position for them for a while, really ever since Lovey Smith got into town. And it's still a huge position in need. And, and you have a scholarship crunch here right now for Illinois and every team in the FBS because of this free year COVID there's just a bottleneck for these spots so a lot of these guys that have been at Illinois for four or five years 
Um, Illinois doesn't have to give them a fifth or sixth year of scholarship. The Big Ten agreement is four years, right? So a guy like Norwood, who's been here four years, Carlos Sandy, who's been here four years, not a surprise to see them enter the transfer portal, or Dale Von Campbell, right? Or Desmond Dan, I don't even think played a game at Illinois. Jafar Armstrong enters the portal after he didn't make an impact last year. Eddie Smith enters the transfer portal after he didn't make an impact. So anybody that's concerned about these losses – you know, Daniel Barker was a loss because you thought he was going to go in the draft and now he's going to enter the transfer portal. As I talked about last time, that stinks for Illinois, and I think it's in part because you, you didn't use him uh, enough. Span, he gets the offer for Florida State, and, and uh, not a surprise that he wants to go home, but th- those two hurt. But otherwise, this is really roster trimming because Illinois has to get under 85 scholarships for 2022. They're, they don't have extra scholarships they can just throw around this year that the NCAA allowed last year. They have to get under 85. So there's going to be a lot of guys that don't find homes this year that or have to go down a level or two uh, to, to find a, a roster spot. So uh, this, is, this is a roster crunch, and it's a well-intentioned to give everybody an extra year. Um, I think it was probably the right thing to do, but it's also on the back end causing some issues. And, and I don't think Illinois is done yet. They still got some some work to do to get under the 85 and, and to be able to add uh, some upgrades uh, on this roster. So not surprised many of these transfers. I expect we'll see a, a few more, uh, especially with some guys who are in their fourth or fifth year or, or maybe entering their fourth or fifth year. But the timing is start of spring semester. These guys you know, finish up classes this year, and then they obviously can, can see what they can get in the transfer portal here coming up. But I do want to bring up Brett Bielema made basically a pledge, I think, when, when he took over at the University of Illinois. And that was to make in-state recruiting a priority. It was not under Lovey Smith. It was for one year. And I thought Lovey Smith did really well at it. You know, he had the buzz of being the Chicago Bears coach, goes to Illinois, and he gets a pretty good in-state class. Not all these guys hit. Some of them do things off the field like Larry Oladipo. But in that class, you had Alex Palczewski, who had no other offers, but Illinois was on top of it. Uh, Luke Buckus was on top of it. And they get a really good player. Vidarian Lowe, Luke Buckus on top of that one as well. Kendra Green. Illinois came in late on that one, but they made a push for him, able to land him, and, and he made a huge impact. And Ricky Smalling and, and guys like Kendall Smith, who was a good program guy and, and still is six years later, um, I think those are good gets, right? Maybe not all of them work out, like, but Ricky Smalling was a productive player. I thought Lovey Smith should have continued that. Instead, he changes recruiting coordinators, goes more of this NFL model, uh, just wants length, size, athleticism. And, and some of those things, yeah, you go down to Florida, you go down to Texas, you're going to find more of those NFL traits, those power five traits I used to say that some people gave me grief over. But Lovey Smith did do a good job of finding those traits, but still you got to land the best players, and he wasn't most often able to land the most talented players out of Texas and Florida. So Brett Bielema has seen this over and over wherever he's been, Iowa, Kansas State, Wisconsin. You recruit where you're from. You recruit to where you're from, too. And at Wisconsin, that's big old offensive linemen. In most places in the Midwest, big offensive linemen, running backs, linebackers, defensive linemen, right? That, that's what you find. And you find more of those skill positions at some of these Florida, Texas, California, you know, where they got ridiculous athletes, a lot of athletes, and just, you know, coaches that run this kind of spread stuff. So that's why the Big 12 has always kind of been – this area where they air the ball out because they, they got very intricate offenses in, uh, in those Texas high schools. But 
Brett Bielema has come in here in this first year and landed 11 in-state prospects. Matthew Bailey out of Moline, the latest addition in the class of 2022. And I'm not telling you to be all excited about Matthew Bailey if you don't want to be. 24-7 sports at the time of his commitment has him as a two-star prospect, number 78 in the class. I do think he's intriguing. 6'2", 190, good athlete. Uh, and talking with his coach, Mike Morrissey, we talk about tough, smart, dependable. Uh, it sounds like Matthew Bailey's that kind of guy. Ryan Walters went in and saw him at, at a recent workout, and, and they liked him. And, and we'll see how these evaluations work out. But there is no question Brett Bielema has followed through on his pledge to make in-state recruiting important. Remember one of the first calls he gave uh, when he was Illinois head coach on that Saturday morning before Illinois played Penn State, before he hopped on college game day, was to Mark Grounds, who's the president of the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association. And that went a long way. And then what did they do next? They didn't just stop there. He and his staff, once they got settled, made an effort to contact every high school coach in the state, every head high school football coach. Now, they didn't get to everyone or didn't have you know the communication with everyone, but they had communication with almost all of them, a large majority of them, and that went over well. And it helped lead them to some prospects. And they started to get some names from these coaches about, hey, you might want to check this guy out. You might want to check this guy out. And then they followed up on it. And they really you know, made an effort to go see these guys. Malachi Hood was one of them, a linebacker out of Joliet Catholic. And they kept following up, kept following up. Matthew Bailey was one of those. They got him on campus early. Jimmy Rolder was one of them, too. Illinois didn't offer Jimmy Rolder then. And he goes to Michigan, and that stinks for Illinois. But they did their process, and, and they didn't think Jimmy Rolder would blow up quite like he did. Um, but they followed through on, on all of this. T.J. Griffin was another one, safety out of Stag, who had a great senior year uh, against some great competition, even though he was on a bad team. So nobody was really looking at him. Illinois was able to get on him. 11 in-state scholarship guys in one class. I was looking back. It's the most since at least 2003. I saw 14 in there. Um, I, I think that is all scholarship guys because uh, they're all ranked on Rivals or 24-7 or, or all these sites. But that passes up 2004. It's, it's the first time since 2004 they've had double-digit in-state signees. Now, not all of them are highly ranked, though, right? But six of them are in the top 20, at least according to 24-7 sports. You didn't land any in the top 10. That's, that's the next step, right? Land the Austin Brown. Right, land the Caden, Caden Fegan. I, I always got to stop myself from saying Caden Fegan. It's Caden Fegan, land that kind of guy, Malik Elzey in the class of 2023. We'll see if they can do that. That's the next step. But they also showed in-state coaches, and I don't know how much this plays in their calculation, but they showed in-state coaches that they're going to make in-state guys, even if they're a little overlooked, priorities. Henry Boyer, tight end. We have him top 20 in the class, and I think he's got a really high ceiling, whether it's a tight end or as a eventual offensive tackle made him a priority. Hank Beatty had one other power five offer. Iowa state wasn't really pushing for him, but Illinois did. And I think that's a guy you want in your programs, the Gatorade player of the year, right? I think he's going to find his way out of the field and make an impact. TJ Griffin, no other power five offer. James Crutes, no other power five offer. Seven other guys in this class didn't have another power five offer. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, that's a problem. We'll see. The evaluations will, We'll prove that, right? We'll, we'll find out. But this staff and, and what Brett Bielma have done is they usually side with the in-state prospect over someone 
who maybe doesn't have as much into it. You know, maybe they're a little bit more invested. Maybe they're not the perfect speed, but they got good size. They work hard. In the case of Matthew Bailey, he's young. He's like 17 years old. He's going to turn 18 when he's in training camp. Maybe that's something they want to bet on. That's where he's going to go. So I don't know if it's all going to work out, right? If all of these, they're not. Not all these evaluations in state are going to work out. But I think it's going to help you recruit more in-state prospects. I think the next four-star that comes on campus because he knows some of the other these other guys is more likely to to consider you. And then you got to win a recruitment, right? Or the high school coach who didn't hear from Lovey Smith and didn't want to tip him off about, hey, I got this guy that, that you really should look at. Illinois is going to get that call, whether it's because, you know, Ryan Walters came through the school or Terry Hawthorne knows them from the, the Metro East area or Pat Ryan, the director of high school relations, who knows everybody, it seems like, in the state, in the, in the coaching community. He was on Bailey, right? They're going to give you that call and they're going to give you maybe that first chance to get in on a kid. And Illinois is not going to bat a 1,000, but I think this is a really good sign. I think it's a good sign because there's a lot of talent in the state of Illinois. You still got to go elsewhere, and they are, especially in the Midwest. They're going down to Florida for a lot of athletes, uh, a lot of guys at corner, DB, wide receiver, going New Jersey a lot for offensive linemen and quarterbacks. Seems to be the cradle of quarterbacks for Illinois right now. But I think it's a good thing that you're having this kind of communication and, and this kind of quote from a high school coach. And, and Joey Wagner got a bunch of these. Um, I got a bunch of these right after Brett Bielma got hired. But Joey Wagner got a bunch of these one year in uh, to, to his time, to Brett Bielma's time at the University of Illinois. But this is Mike Morrissey, the Moline coach. His quote to me yesterday was, from the time they've come in and taken over the program, it's just been a different feel. It really has. The communication, the transparency, the willingness to go above and beyond to build relationships with high school coaches in the state of Illinois. It's changing. It's just incredible. I think that that means something. I, I think that really, really means something. When these high school coaches now are thinking about you. And here's what he said. Little victories like this, I think, go a long way in the state of Illinois in general for, I don't want to say marking your territory, but kind of, hey, we're coming after these areas and we're going to hit them hard and we're going to do the right things by Illinois kids. They not only preached it, but they're walking the walk too. Now, that's a perfect way of saying it. We've had a lot of coaches come in here and say, we're going to recruit the state. I think Brett Bean was recruiting it really well. I think the process is really sound. We'll see if how many of these evaluations hit. But I think this is the model of what you have to do at Illinois. It's the model of what Iowa's done. It's the model of what Wisconsin's done. Those are the schools that you've got to model yourself after. And Brett Bean was off to a pretty good start. We'll see if he can build on it. Maybe land some of those top 10 prospects, more of the top 20 prospects in the class of 2023. All right, when we come back, Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal breaks down Sparty, who comes to the State Farm Center on Tuesday night against Illinois. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get some insight on Michigan State and one of the guys that, man, we started back in the MAC together. Uh, Graham Couch covering Western Michigan and Bill Cubitt at the time, me covering Jerry Kill in Northern Illinois. But uh, few uh, columnists in the Big Ten. I, I like to read as much, respect as much as Graham Couch at the Lansing State Journal. And, and Graham, here we go. A, a huge game. We don't know whether the, the most important player will be available in Kofi Coburn, but Michigan State and Illinois, one and two uh, in the Big Ten standings coming into this one. And, and I got to be honest with you, Graham, like, I, I didn't know what to make of Michigan State coming into this year, losing some of the talent they did. You know they're always talented. You know they always have Izzo, so I had them top half in the Big Ten. But uh, I didn't expect them to be leading the Big Ten through seven games regardless of schedule. So what are your thoughts on this team so far? Yeah, you know, it's – it's I don't – well, a couple of things. One, the schedule has been kind. Yeah. It was – you know, they opened with, uh, you know, Penn State and, and Minnesota before the break. Then they were at Northwestern and – uh, they had Nebraska, and you know, I mean, it, it was you know, they, they have not the teeth of their schedule is coming now. That said, you know, they they just won it. It was Wisconsin, which counts as part of the teeth of the schedule, and they they looked really good doing it. And they played with an edge, and you know, they're an interesting team because I, you know, early on I thought they could be good if a few things went right, and those things all did go right, and that includes, um, you know, the really I think Marcus Bingham Jr. taking another step at center and. For, for a long time he was playing really well and, and good point guard play and they were getting it and then Max Christie giving them something uh, you know is, is the talented freshman he is and all those things are sort of happening uh, they get to January and uh, they got some weird play out of their point guard situation and then uh, Bingham kind of you know he, he dealt with COVID over Christmas break and didn't look as, as, as energetic as, as like he had the wind that he previously had and, and um, didn't play that well and so yeah I mean that said, when they've got a lot of depth, they've got a lot of pieces, a lot of guys who are at different points in their career still trying to prove themselves, and it creates an intensity, and they've got enough talent to to, um, to give people fits. Yeah, it is interesting to me, Graham. Like, I mean, last year when you have Aaron Henry and, and Rocket Watts and, and Josh Langford, and you think of the talent there, like, um, why why has this team clicked more? I think you might have just hit on it. It's, it's that depth and competition. Do you think that's like, you know, kind of Izzo's kind of thing there where he can get the most out of those teams more so? Well, the big thing is point. I mean, they had, they were so bad at the point guard position last year. And uh, that that has changed, and 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 they've got two guys. One, uh, the transfer from uh, Northeastern, uh, Tyson Walker, who has not played great this month. He's been, you know, he played well in the second half against Wisconsin, but he was really coming on in December, and then and sort of hit. I don't know, a little confidence, a little. I mean, he he's got he was a guy who was a, a, a great mid-major player as a sophomore, and and can be really good. And then AJ Hogard had a, a great game against Wisconsin. And he's had his moments. He he can turn the ball over a little bit too much here and there. So the point guard play was a big part of it. They didn't have it last year. They have it now. Um, and the, sort of the roster construction around it. Just, this, this roster just fits each other a lot better than last year's roster fit. And you've got some guys that are further along. But, I mean, Gabe Brown was sort of hindered by having Aaron Henry still around. And now it's it's, it's sort of his show there on the wing. Uh, guys like Max Christie. Max Christie's a guy who 
everything he does is within the offense. He doesn't force shots. He doesn't, you know, you know, when Max Christie has, you know, 12 points, it's usually like four of six, you know, Mm -hmm. with a couple three pointers. He doesn't, uh, there's not a lot of ball domination. um, And I think there are a lot of guys who learned from last year and just uh, sort of a need for increased leadership and sort of functionality within the offense. Graham, I was going to ask you, the one thing, you, you look at like Purdue or Illinois or even like Ohio State, and, and you see guys that are like college superstars. Like Michigan State, the end of a game, I always wonder like, who's the go-to guy there? Is that necessary for this team? Or, or, or do they need a guy to step up or have they? Well, it's a good question. I mean, Gabe Brown is their, you would say, their, their headliner in some yeah. ways. I mean, he averages the most points around 14 a game, and he's uh, you know, had some really good, and he's fearless. And and you know, in any setting, he'll set the tone and he'll make sure that that you know they're he's going to take shots and and make them or miss them, and and um, that's helpful for them. And I think he he increases their floor. For example, they they had a really shaky start against Nebraska, and he, he just kind of took over the first half and uh, you know make sure that they're not going to let anything disastrous happen in a game like that. And so he's and but he's also not a guy who I think creates well enough for himself at all times or hits consistently enough to you know I don't know if you just throw the ball to him and let him go what was interesting and I think eventually Max Christie will be that but right. what's interesting in the uh, Wisconsin game for the first time is Malik Hall became that there were three separate occasions where uh, they needed a bucket especially when Wisconsin got it back to within six in the second half and they threw it down to him and he had a kind of a go-to turnaround jump shot baseline post move that worked every time and and that that was interesting so there's still guys even within the season finding new roles and new i mean that's something i think you'll see them go to again in in a a similar situation and and he and and paul's been pretty good at times very versatile player but i haven't seen a go-to move from him before friday night at wisconsin and and i've seen him take that shot and make it but not like that and uh so i think yeah you're right this is it's a roster that in some ways they're hard to scout because there are a lot of guys you have to account for that can hurt you, but you don't know who's going to do it on a given day. But the the danger for Michigan state is there's also a chance that nobody does it (laughs) on a given day. You mentioned Max Christie, obviously the top player in Illinois last year, a five-star prospect, uh, goes to to his own, who can blame him, but he's leading the team in minutes. Uh, I I find that really interesting. Like what have you seen from Max Christie in, in his maturation as the season goes along? Yeah, where they were really surprised is his defense. I mean, they put him on the other team's best player a lot, and they Izzo trusts him. He, he makes, you know, he's not a selfish player. He'll he'll he you know he'll work his butt off on that end. He's got length, um, and so that that's been a big part of it. And then he's, he, you know, there was a stretch where he wasn't shooting real well, and he kind of broke out of that slump. But part of the reason he wasn't shooting real well is. He had a couple games early in the year where it became very clear he he was a focal point of defensive scouting reports, and teams would throw their best wing athlete at him, and, and that was something he had to adjust to. Uh, but then he had a stretch, and, and I haven't done the math recently, but he was, you know, basically like 23 of 37 and over four game stretch, and 11 for 17 from three, and really, really, I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to be a, you know, a real front line player for them, and I. And I and I think one of the good things that's happened this year, and I don't think he's a guy in a hurry, is that he's probably going to be a two-year player there at least. Um, and because of that, a lot of this is building towards a roster that could be, um, I think, next year uh, even stronger. And, 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 of course, that counts on Christie sticking around. 
Graham, before we get into the Illinois matchup, which is uh, up in the air given Kofi Coburn's status, but um, turnovers have been obviously an issue for them, but it hasn't cost them too much, I would say, outside of that Northwestern loss. Um, how big of concern is the turnovers, and how have they kind of worked around that so far? Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. It's become, you know, a big part of the theme of the season, certainly, um, has been, you know, the turnover issues. And, and it, look, I, I – tend to think they're not as big an issue as they're made out to be at times um i think that i mean Izzo's they turned the ball over less than Izzo's championship team did right mm-hmm. in 2000 but what they did back then is beat the hell out of you and get every rebound and this team has to have that now they, they turned the ball over not too badly after the opening minutes against wisconsin but they out rebounded the badgers 39 to 20 and they got out rebounded twice this year by northwestern and so when they're not, they're they're not good enough. When they're not playing with a physical edge, when they're not, then they have to be better at that. And and there have been some really, and the turnovers have come in waves and uh, and have hurt them. I I don't think they've hurt them as much as some of the narrative has been, but there's no doubt it's it's a story. Well, Graham, uh, coming into Illinois, I mean, Michigan State's been a bad matchup for Illinois for a while, kind of like Maryland, who, who Illinois just lost to without Kofi. Uh, just because I think the size, two through four, uh, really bothers Illinois, even if Kofi plays. I, I think you know having Malik Call, Gabe Brown, Max Christie all have size advantage at their positions could be an, an issue for Illinois. Um, so let's assume Kofi plays. W- what do you think about this matchup against Illinois? It gets real interesting because, you know, the way Marcus Bingham played early this year, uh, he, w- he was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I I thought that he did he did really well against some very good, uh, accomplished uh, big men, too. And, and so I was curious to see how he'd do against the top bigs in the Big Ten. And he hasn't played as well as late. And the thing about him is he's not, you know, physically he can't, move Kofi and very few people can but his length I think can bother anybody you know he's a seven footer with a seven five wingspan who's gotten stronger who's understood how to use that frame better and and I'm curious to see how much help they'll give and you know exactly um you know what they'll try to do to answer that Julius Marble is probably their best uh bet on Kofi just because in, in certain ways because of his strength um Mati Sissoko is a young guy who you know, a lot of people will remember uh <laughs> took the uh, the shot that knocked Ao from the game last year in East Lansing, so he, he won't be a, a fan favorite if he gets minutes. But he's worth five fouls, although he's still a pretty raw player. I don't, you know, I mean, he's uh, but he's, he's another option. He gives you some fouls against Kofi. I, I think they they have enough bodies to do something there. I just don't know if anybody really has an answer. And, and to me, they've got to worry more about themselves and playing with that same initiative and edge that they did against Wisconsin. They play like that. They're, 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 nobody's going to run them out of the gym. They're going to be fine. And and the thing that they've done well also that's a little underrated on this team is they shoot the ball pretty well at times. Yeah. They shot the ball well at Wisconsin. They've become a pretty good offensive team. Um, every once in a while, things get stagnant. But if you know, they, they can put pressure on you in a number of spots. Yeah, I was going to say there's a 10% difference in the way they shoot the three and their opponents during Big Ten play shoot the three. And if Kofi can't go, Graham, uh, Illinois has got to shoot the heck out of the three and – that's something Michigan State's been really good at. So, uh, the, given the size, given the defense, if Kofi can't go, I'm I'm not high on Illinois' chances at all. You well, yeah. I mean, it becomes a very different game. Here's the thing, though: pound for pound, Michigan State's also probably not going to run anybody out of the gym. And mm-hmm. so, I don't. 
you know, I don't, and, and a lot of times these games, when, when they get going and the and matchups sort of figure each other out and you start to look at the guy in front of you and what you can do, Michigan State doesn't intimidate people. And so I don't think, um, you know, and I, Illinois has not had a game without Kofi. I, I you know, I, I think even if, even if, um, even if Kofi doesn't play, I think this is a really competitive game. Well, how good do you think this team is, Graham? Uh, sitting atop the Big Ten, as we were talking about, not not a great schedule yet, but uh, the top of the conference, I think, is is going to be competitive the rest of the year. I think you know Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State are probably the five, the five teams. So, how do you kind of see the Big Ten right now? Yeah, no, I I think uh, you know Michigan State is has got a chance to be in that mix. I think they've got a chance to. To me, Michigan State looks like a Sweet Sixteen type team that. If they got the right matchups and got on the right run, could could go a little further. Um, but they're not matchup proof, right? They're, they're not. They're, you know, they're, they're, I don't think they're ever going to be this year. Um, and uh, the question is, how good a seed can they get? And and, and and you know, you're seeing teams like Illinois and and even Purdue take losses you don't expect, and that jumbles the standings. And I still think Purdue is the best team. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's the you know whether they win the Big Ten standings or not, and win the Big Ten championship, I don't know. I think it's something Illinois probably really wants after last year, mm-hmm. and and if if they're healthy, has a chance to do as well. But the best team to me, best chance to win in a Final Four setting is Purdue. I, I think Illinois at full go is probably that next best team. Yeah, I agree with you with Purdue. Um, you know, seeing them in person and and all the options they have, they just got to be a little bit better defensively. Uh, I, I think uh, Ohio State's interesting, but I just don't know if they have the guard play or the defense. And in Wisconsin, I mean, they're back, Graham. Right? Like Wisconsin's back doing Wisconsin things, but uh, I just don't know if they have the talent to match up with some of these other teams. Yeah, no, and, and they do have. I mean, I think they're a more functional roster than a year ago too. I, I, sure. I like. Uh, and they obviously have a superstar and 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 Ty Davis and and Brian Davidson. I mean, those guys will be you know. I mean, they're, they're going to win some games on the road because they're tough-minded, they're competitive. You, you have to show up against them. Um, but you're, you're right, I, and, and they were missing Tyler Wall when Michigan State played, and I, you know they don't have great depth in certain places if they if they get down a guy. But yeah, no, I think Wisconsin will beat people, and that's why it's it's hard to know. I mean, Wisconsin's got to win at Purdue already. You know, like that's mm-hmm. a that's a really quality win. And um, so you just don't know, um, you, you know, they're going to beat some other people on the road because they're, they're a veteran club. They've got guys who are, are capable and they've got, they've got a star who can on a given night really, really give you problems. Yeah. Before I let you go, Graham, uh, Mel Tucker, if I told you a year ago, he was a $95 million coach. What would you tell me? <laughs> yeah. I would have said, well, he's at LSU or somewhere else. <laughs> um, I didn't see any of that stuff happening. Um, you know, I think it, it was an amazing year for them, no doubt. They maximized who they were. They bought into that culture. There are a lot of people there that are, uh, you know, really happy with what's going on. They didn't want to lose them. And I think what happened with Nick Saban, you know, all those years ago and uh, the disagreement with the president in the, the late 90s and, and um, winding up going to LSU and, and wanting the, he even wanted to come back once he was at LSU before he started. And they said no. And, and then Saban goes on to be who Saban is, mm-hmm. and Michigan State doesn't know if Mel Tuck, doesn't know if it has Saban and Mel Tucker, but it was not going to. This was the cost of not living with the chance of regret, and they had a couple, um, you know, big donors step up, including one who was a walk-on on that basketball team back in 2000. You remember all that stuff, you know, and uh, 
I think the, so. The the new salary, even though the length of it is paid some by the university, is is all donor based, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that helps. I think people sort of stomach it too, because I think there are a lot of people who go, wait a sec. There's a state employee making ninety five, you know, nine point five million a year. There's uh, this guy makes double what Tom Izzo makes. What, what what's going on here? But um, you know, this is the market, and uh, and and he, he struck it well. Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal. Uh, great stuff as always, Graham. Enjoy the game. Hopefully, I'll see you down here in Champaign, man. Look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Follow Graham Couch on Twitter at graham underscore couch. We'll see. I mean, we got to see who's available. We got to see if even if Kofi's unavailable, if Illinois comes out with a little bit of extra tenacity. Brad Underwood talked a lot about that on Monday, about not having that at Maryland. Uh, and he said for a multitude of reasons, and he didn't dive into some of those. Maybe it was Trent Frazier dealing with what he was dealing with, but they just didn't come out with that. And uh, we've seen them respond under Brad Underwood pretty well from that. But think about what a win would mean no matter who you have on the court, if you can find a way to, to beat a Michigan State team that is deep, that is pretty tough, that's good offensively, really efficient offensively, but they do turn it over. I think Michigan State's going to give you some opportunities, just like they did against Northwestern, just like they did against Minnesota at home, to be honest with you. Uh, Nebraska gave Michigan State a, a little bit of a game for most of that. So um, I, I think Illinois is going to have some chances to win this game. Uh, they got to be more consistent than they were against Maryland, though. Um, and if Kofi Coburn's in the game, it's a different ball game. Now, now maybe Michigan State comes out with a little bit more tenacity with that, but it's a lot on the line at the top of the Big Ten. So if Illinois is able to win this one, put yourself right back at the top of the Big Ten. You feel like you make up for that loss uh, to Maryland. If you lose, you're starting to drift in that battle, in the Big Ten battle. And if Kofi Coburn's not on the courts, it's just a completely different team. We know that, right? That's not, that's not a surprise. But um, one of the best players in the country, uh, you're not quite as strong. But we'll see. We'll see what happens at State Farm Center. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us. We appreciate when you guys do that. And check out all the latest Illinois football, basketball news at IlliniEnquirer.com. Until next time, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. Enjoy the Illinois-Michigan State game. And we'll talk to you afterwards right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 